miniature soldiers, big opinions. This is the Conclave Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Conclave Podcast. Adam pointed aggressively at the screen, so I've completely lost my uh, my uh, my train of thoughts, but. Yes. Hello. Welcome. Welcome back. We've been on a bit of a hiatus, and we're we're here again. Adam, say hello to our glorious hello. listeners. Hello, glorious listeners. Yes, you thought you were rid of us, but like the orcs, we are. You eradicated the infestation, and we popped up again to war all over the place. In this case, right into your ear holes, um, and talk all about the warhams all over again. Although today, of course, Mister Reza. We have with us a bit of a special guest, don't we? Yes, we do. One of our favourite people in the whole universe uh, couldn't join us, so we've got Josh here instead. How are you doing, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm all right. I like the idea of referring to ourselves as, uh, you know, stuff that's perennially around. And I like to think of myself as like the toasty maker everyone has but barely ever uses. Mm. That's, that's, I just don't know what to say to that. I kind of fancy a toasty now. <laughs> but you're thinking about it, right? Even I'm thinking about it. I used to have... I had a toasty maker for six years, and I made six toasties with it. That's what so like, the same toasty. That's like an annual toasty question. <laughs> yeah, because you get it, right? You make the toasty, and you go, oh, I don't know why I don't eat toasties every week. This is amazing. And then you pack it away, because, you know, it's taking up space in the kitchen, and then you forget about it. And that's so, what I'm like when it comes to guesting on podcasts. So podcasts. I, I will ask. I will ask you the question here because, I, and I hope our listeners will allow us this diversion into kitchen gadgets. Maybe we're all showing <laughs> our age into like the other things we care about beyond Warhammer. But like when you say a toasty maker, do you mean one of those ones that like has the kind of pre-cut, um, it like the mold bits on either side of it, like the plates have like a pre-cut kind of triangle yes. thing? Yeah. See, so I've got like a flat one panini press because I use that a lot. And I would class that as a toasty maker. So I'm, but, I'm gonna. But do on. you have do you have a toasty maker that's in the cupboard, or do I you have a know. or do I you have something have like thing. a like a George Foreman grill, something like that? I, I do, and I've, I've used it. I've used it once, and I've had it for like five years. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you. And, and after this, you're going to be thinking, "Oh, do you know what? I could make like I could use that George Foreman grill to make some chicken burgers." You know, you know and you're the going thing with it. it the thing with it is, like, you take out, you plug it in and use it, but it's such a faff to take out, you know, like, where you could just get the grill and do it yourself. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's, you know, it's got, it's, it adds more cleaning to it. What's up, things? We're talking about kitchen gadgets. I was well impressed the other day. I've got a mixer at home because I made brownies for the first time and they came out amazingly. Nice. But I figured out while using a mixer, I can take the mixer off and make it a handheld mixer. So I was like, oh, this thing's got two type of mixers in one. So I was like, well, impressed myself. Anyway, oh, is, is that like, is that like that one I've seen where people like I saw a, I saw like a TikTok advert for it or something where there was like a girl on a train and it's like a smoothie maker, but it's port, it's like battery powered and portable. So she would like fill it with fruit and ice and, you know, whatever. And then like on the train to work, like literally just press the button on it. <laughs> It, it mixes it and then you can just drink it straight out the thing that's eerie that's like because i saw an advert for that this morning oh and well, i thought why. it's because it's because our gadgets all listen to us right and they just give <laughs> based on what we're talking i about. thought i thought that gadget there sounds amazing i simply must have one and then i thought to myself i go on a train nowadays because i'm you know a goblin that paints warhammer full time um i actually go on trains maybe once a quarter so actually <laughs> At, uh, I'm better off investing that money 
in a in a in a food processor where I could make smoothies at home rather than a battery powered portable blender, which yeah, I would right. use maybe. Once yeah, so this was a the year. food processor that you could take off the top. Basically. Yeah, and, and I mean you're, you're right, Josh. But but consider that once per quarter, i.e., four times a year, would be higher than your toasty usage, right? Yeah, so well, you've exactly. already improved. <laughs> well, I I binned the toasty maker when I moved back to to. To uh, back to Cheltenham, yeah. Back to Cheltenham from London. I'm, I'm I, like, mean, I, I, I cycle to work, so that that portable smoothie blender, I'm gonna like a right fool if I'm trying to cycle <laughs> along. Very London talented bridge, though, if you can cycle through London and blending at the same time. All the lads in Lycra are <laughs> flying past me on their on their on their ten speeds, and I'm just there like, yeah, but can you blend a smoothie while you're riding? I don't think you can. No. <laughs> I don't think many anyway, people that was, can. That was the Conclave <laughs> Kitchen Gadget Review. If you'd like us to yes. review other kitchen gadgets, please let us know in the comments or DM us on Instagram. That would be wonderful. Or just um, anything random you want us to, to review. Yeah, we, we any can do that. <laughs> any request. To review, we can try and review it. I, should must, we, should... I must just point out that oh. if this is going to be a regular feature on the Conclave, there is a gentleman on YouTube who makes his living making videos about repairing KitchenAids. And I've watched a number of his videos because they're actually quite funny to watch because he's always just like, I don't understand why the manufacturer does it this way. And everyone always thinks their KitchenAid is completely fucked when you do it this way. But all you need to do is pop this little rubber thing off, give it a clean and put it back on. I honestly, I can't remember the name of the channel, but go and go and go and just look up how to repair a KitchenAid and he will be there. You should get him on as a guest for an episode of The Conflict. <laughs> Because he almost uh, definitely collects Warhammer as well. I'm sure I'm certain of it. Yeah, if you can repair yeah. a KitchenAid, you can build a 2,000 point army, right? Do you reckon they if have KitchenAids in the? You can join the RAF or the Navy or whichever I want that advert is. <laughs> join <laughs> the Royal Navy. Yeah. What do you like? This is a. Do you reckon they have for, like cooking aids and that kind of stuff in the 40k universe? Absolutely. The Mechanicum has definitely <laughs> got like a. I mean, the Mechanicum worships that toasty, that tasty maker. That yeah, they yeah. Use. They they find that you know abandoned in thirty thousand years time from now on one of their expeditions to Earth during the uh, the age of of strife, right? When when the the sort of the barbarian techno barbarian kingdoms are waging over, they dig that up and that is now in a vault somewhere on Mars with a tech <laughs> priest trying to unlock the secrets of of the George Foreman grill and toasty maker. <laughs> and they think what do you think weapon of mass destruction of the Omnisire? What do you think a forty k kitchen looks like? A 40k kitchen like now like if, if we're thinking like right now what what do we think a 40k kitchen looks like like you know in sci-fi quite often what they always de you know default to is eventually a replicator device right that's so lazy though that's yeah like, I, I mean like, I, think... I love star trek but that's such a lazy like trope because at the point at which and again sorry listeners we will talk about actual warhammer eventually but this is fun <laughs> at the point at which you have a universe right so that's a sci-fi universe in which you have transporters and replicator technology you no longer require any starships you no longer require really <laughs> anything like you you like the whole of starfleet in theory would be re there's going to be someone in the comments who's going to be like well actually if you watch star trek the next generation episode series four episode whatever they probably explain why transport technology has not completely replaced starfleet right but ostensibly for like 90 percent of the journeys they do because you know it's very inconsistent they can sometimes they can beam themselves from like planet to planet right or certainly over very large distances up to space stations and stuff you wouldn't need shuttlecraft right except in emergencies and actually a lot of your short journeys would just be rendered completely obsolete by transport technology 
and replicator technology is the same thing. You're like, at that point, you know, they, you know, in Star Trek, occasionally they're like, oh, yes, we must go to the mining. You know, we must go to, like, Starbase, whatever, which is, like, a mining operation. And it's like, but there's replicator technology. They can literally just turn any atoms into anything else. Yes. Why do the hell do they need to mine anything? They just see, don't I'm, need to do it. See, I think, and I, because I've been, I, I watched, finally, I finally watched, um, tail end of last year picard season one. Oh yeah it took me so long to get to it because i kept forgetting it existed but like i it, i came to the conclusion eventually that um in starfleet it's there's there's in this future of replicator technology and what what's what not um eventually what happens to everybody in every human at least that we've encountered so far is that they basically become a sci-fi hipster um so rather than using replicator technology they end up they end up being like it's just like so much better if you just like grow stuff but actually <laughs> there's, there's there's no point in growing stuff so and, and you meet like for example is it you know, i mean spoilers um riker's in it right he he runs a farm and picard is on a vineyard making wine what's the point why and and then they always kind of go oh well you know it it, it tastes better when it's real it's like well yeah sure it does but like replicator ex- technology exists so what's the point <laughs> yeah <laughs> be like the one the one you'd be like you'd be like a guy sat in the corner of starbucks with a typewriter right yes you're like him mm. but in the future well, like I reckon book. the 40k kitchen is just like like a medieval kitchen. It's all like dirty and dark and well, see, I, I, really it depends backwards. on which planet you're on, right? But I reckon most 40k kitchens are actually not too dissimilar from ours. Because, hmm. like, you know, they, you know, well, yeah. what do you need to cut things? You just need a piece of metal, right? A knife, a knife. This is and this is one of the funniest things I find about like you know sci-fi settings, right? Is very often things are unbelievably overcomplicated just to show that they're like sci-fi and the future. And it's like, a knife is still going to be a knife in, you know, a knife was a knife 10,000 years ago. A it's knife a power knife now, knife though. 10, 000... Yeah, but it's like, why do you need a power? Like, a, what are you cutting? Adamantium bread? Like, you don't, you, you don't, like, how, how hard is your butter? Like, you don't need a power knife. It's been in, like, it's been in a freezer a long time. <laughs> yeah, we, we froze your butter in carbonite for flavour and taste. Um, yeah, no, this 40k kitchen probably looks a lot like, sorry, that's a really boring answer, but it probably looks a lot like today's kitchen, right? The foods they eat are probably different. Grok's meat, corn and such. I mean, we eat corn now, but you know. Isn't that the number one produced product it's, in the 40k is, universe? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. maize. Liam, Liam, Liam Dempsey's uh, quiz, I discovered that. Got that one wrong. What is the number one produced product on Imperial Agri-Worlds? And yes, it is like maize or corn. Um, what did you guess? Potato- I would have said potato. We put, we put. Well, again, we did. We fell into the trap, right? My team. We went for the sci-fi answer, which is we said like Grox, because they always talk oh. about you know Grox, like Grox meat and like Grox milk is always talked about as like the space cow of the future in the 40k universe. You know, when, it, when they're not talking about corpse starch on the hi- on the hive worlds, they talk about eating Grox. So I figured, well, space cows, they take up a lot of room. Maybe they produce loads of Grox turns out no it's much more prosaic answer is corn i'd have answered batteries <laughs> batteries <laughs> mm. on an agri world yeah still you know still farming batteries because you know on an agri world they were just agri world they would just be battery farms <laughs> oh, dear. but oh, um <laughs> uh you know they they get through more lasgun ammunition packs than they do gro- uh, crocs meat in the in the that 41st millennium 
that is true. The guard probably do have a protocol where you can you can just eat your las. Well, I guess you do eat your las gun when you're like, I've had enough of this battle. <laughs> Bang, yeah. yeah. Um, Right, so <laughs> that that that's classic. So we started off as as we as we left off, to be honest. So nothing's changed. Should we should we go into a little bit of uh, I guess our hobby? We won't do hobby progress because we do a, 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 a videos with uh, Josh every month about all three of our, our our kind of hobby progress a month. Anyway, so you want to check that out? Go to the Warhits of YouTube and look at the many Warhipsters and get involved. It it's, it's a load of fun. However, the question I will ask you both is: What are you currently working on that you're really excited about? Let's begin with Adam because he looked down at his desk. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm working on a bunch of things, so I'm 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 still adding to my um, ongoing Tyranid army, which obviously, being this is an audible medium, people can't see, but I have a huge number of big bugs on my shelf behind me. Um, so I'm just adding stuff to that. But I'm today actually for a bank holiday treat to myself and a little break. I'm actually um, finally getting round to. I did one test model, and I'm now painting the whole squad. Um, the first squad of of my much talked about chaos space marines the obsidian hatred um because i would like to actually get some legionnaires as they're now called rather than i guess chaos space marines onto the tabletop at some point so i figured i'd better start painting and also it's a bit of a nice break to be painting um power armor again than painting you know biological gribbliness hmm. um I, I suppose um and i was actually i was talking to josh earlier today about color schemes because i'm probably i mean they're going to be they're going to have black armor because they're sort of inspired by the black legion and, and by the sons of horus and that whole story um but uh i was thinking of actually going with um like silver or certainly like metallic trim on the so i guess all metallic but like a silver or, or metal like iron metal trim on the shoulder pads and stuff but then today i was like oh do i do i maybe go for bronze instead but my death guard but i was thinking about it more actually um before we were recording and my death guard have that kind of like burnished gold or bronze trim on their shoulder pads because that's like death guard colors right so yeah i think maybe i'll stick with a like silver silver metal on these guys black and silver looks really cool like, yeah like, just pick out yeah. like you know when they've got like the eye on their chest and stuff and on they've got yeah. the horns like maybe do those in in like a, the the bronze color or like a burnished gold or something just to kind of pick them out but with with the silver because i just yeah i don't know i think black and silver is a very like very plain but actually quite effective color palette and i like the idea of that on on the on the chaos space marines being that like you know they're not particularly fancy they've been in the warp for ten thousand years you know they're not here to be the gilded marines mm. they're here they're just warriors right that is what they are they they betrayed the imperium they got chased into the eye of terror they're warriors and now they've come back to get their revenge hence the name of the war band the obsidian hatred right they don't like the imperium can't blame so, yeah. him to be honest that's my, yeah that's my it's cool that's my uh, thing i'm excited <laughs> about at the moment awesome josh what are you working on i'm working on four armies simultaneously oh, rookie personally these are my personal <laughs> projects pump those numbers up man well, okay. these are my my personal projects um of course i'm working on a number of commissions as well but um the four I'm working on are uh, the two I'm most excited about are Sylvaneth and Daughters of Cain. Um, cool. Sylvaneth, I have two thousand points built, primed, and ready to go. Uh, oh, yes. And um, funnily enough, 
a little bit more shameless self-promotion, I'm going to be painting 2,000 points of Sylvaneth in a 24-hour streaming period on Friday the 22nd of April to the 23rd of April, 7.30pm to 7.30pm. Be there all be square. 2022, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, so that I'm really excited to do. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um and maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll survive. Maybe I won't. We'll find out. Um, it's going <laughs> to be interesting. Man killed by painting model trees. It's yeah. just the fact you're starting in the evening rather than starting when you wake up. So you have, you know, some rest behind you. You're going to go through the whole day and then start it. So you're yeah. actually going to be awake for well over 24 hours. Yes. That's the way to do it. Madman. I, I, I need to build myself up into ready for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the day playing Elden Ring and you know <laughs> losing to the same boss over and over and over and over again yeah. to get yourself angry and then start angry painting. Uh, yeah, and then that rage will sustain me throughout the night. Um <laughs> No, that's the plan. No, so I, that's my two I'm most excited about. The two I'm working on in 40k are as many people will know by now. Uh I uh my 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 uh kind of dip into being a sweaty sweaty player uh with two very unsweaty army builds of uh custodies and tau um classic tau sept colors for the tau as well which yeah. i know a lot of people think is really cool um i for me there was only one way of doing it um i i i, I toyed with the idea of doing it as viola um in in the box art that's the white, the white one right yeah, yeah. yeah, white and red, but um, nah, it had to be done in the classic, you, classic vomit brown. Um, you don't. That's what it was called. I was, was going to call it. I was going to call it ochre, but yeah, sure, vomit brown. That's the, you that's you the name of the original color. In it, it, vomit back, brown. back back when they were first announced, back when they first came out, the color that you used to paint them was vomit brown from Citadel. Nice. Vomit brown and scorched brown, I think, was I the other it one. Does... I guess it does sort of like the the name of the art. Like, Ow! Well, I guess it does, like, <laughs> sound like somebody is vomiting a bit. But no, but I do. To be fair, you don't you don't see the ochre towel, the vomit brown towel, towel sept towel. I don't think I've, I've ever seen them in person. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think no, I've no, seen them at tournaments. Most people generally have, as you say, like VLR. Only in Dawn of War. Custom custom scheme. Custom and custom Fire scheme Warrior. is the that's one that's most popular. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Fire Warrior. But yeah, that's my that's my tower project. It's coming along nicely. I've built a riptide for it, so I'm excited to do that. Um, and uh, my custodies are effectively um, a replacement for my old custodies army, which was painted three years ago when I was a worse painter, and then contrast paint happened, and I became a much better painter. And I was. When the Codex came out, I was like, "Oh yeah, no, I could I could play with this, but um, it's not up to the same standard as what I would want it to be." So I posted them on Instagram saying, "You know, I'm going to strip these and start again." And then your friend and mine, Mr. Hellstorm Mikey, went, "Don't strip them, I'll have them." I went, "Oh okay." So he had them, and then he sent me a bunch of unbuilt ones, so I got to start again, which is really cool. Um, oh cool. okay. Well, your friends. army lives on. Your army lives on on the Hellstorm Wargaming channel. <laughs> It does. Yeah, they they got beaten by Tyranids the other day. Um, that's a different conversation, <laughs> though. <laughs> um, and now we're like, going to talk about the balanced data. No, set no, we, we are not. <laughs> um, what? Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. What am I working on? 
Yeah, what uh, are you working on? That's a good question. So, I did get excited with the balance data slate, and I had a Dante I had made out of all the spare parts I had in in uh, in my bits box. Uh, so literally, then the... literally all the spare parts. He's like twelve inches tall. He's just made <laughs> heads. He's a Primaris <laughs> Lieutenant, which I had for ages that I couldn't just didn't want to do anything with, with uh, <laughs> loads of bits from the Sangrini Guard kit. That's really yeah. cool. That's and a jump cool. pack and a proper jump pack. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so yeah, I paint. I did. I built one. Well, I didn't build. So I painted him because uh, I got a bit excited about blood angels being able to survive more than a turn uh one turn of shooting <laughs> um <laughs> and then um i've also dipped my toe into becoming a sweaty gamer uh and painting a riptide for my far sight enclaves uh oh, force that's that sweaty that's not no that sweaty. we're the riptide brothers now we're if, we riptide. Pay- if we were riptide painting bros. our nine broadsides but pre-balanced <laughs> <laughs> data slate then yeah we would uh we would Wouldn't be super sweaty gamers. So I'd, I'm not going to get many broadsides because, now. yeah, because um, Farsight for me is all about, you know, shooting off your jetpacks or flying to your enemy and shooting them in the face really closely, uh, which is pretty much my attitude to Call of Duty. Um, so a broadside is a bit slow mm. and doesn't do that, whereas a Riptide, you know, you could picture something like a Gundam Wing flying off to shoot someone right in the face. So, yeah, that's kind of my thought process behind that. And can Farsight's you still cool. field the eight? The eight? <clears throat> um, I don't think you can. It's just... Or you could, but it's going to be that's crap. That's a question. Like, you could probably... I mean, because they're all commanders, aren't they, in the eight? But well, there's, no, probably... there's, a, there's a Riptide in there, and there is a Broadside in there. There's so you'd have to... There's a Broadside. There's Farsight. The Farsight. There's another command. I think it's another one. That, is it Commander Pure There's a Crisis Titan? Commander. An all, um, and so there's Commander Bravestorm, which is a Coal Star. Yeah, you got. I have the book somewhere because I was looking at it the other day. Um, yeah, it's not. It's I was gonna say, pure tide. Pure tide's dead. He's a, yeah. he's a chip now. You, you put him in your head. And one so, of them's been oh brainwashed with it, isn't it? Is it Oblatai? No, he's the uh, AI one. Yeah, he's yeah, the AI one. So you've got AI. Commander Farsight. You've got Commander Bravestorm, who's in a crisis one, a, a crisis suit. Yeah. And you've got Commander Brightsword, who is in a cold star suit with all the fusion. Yeah. You've got Commander Shavastos, who is the the one to receive the Pure Tide Neurochip. Uh, and he doesn't say what army he's in, but he looks a bit like he is in Enforcer armor, maybe? Or just a Crisis Suit armor. Because uh, you could got, field it you've if got you did. Shazo, Acheron on an Enforcer armor, Oblatai on Broadside. You've got Commander Torchstar, who... Looks like again he's just in crisis suit armor, and then he also got... sounds like a GPS system. Yeah, an Ov he he has a, a a partial liking to flamers, and Ovesa who is the one in the um, the Riptide who interestingly is from their Earthcast. What boss? He's like yeah. I don't you could, build stuff. I guess you could le- you could legally field it if you put Farsight and a uh, what's it called a Cold Star commander in, and then you had a Riptide and a Broadside, that's four. And then you had the four, a unit of four Crisis. Yeah, but then what, you'd have to run, oh yeah, and then you'd have to run like a squad of Fire Warriors or something. Yeah. Yeah, you could do it then, that's cool. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. you could do it. I mean, if you, It'd if be you awful. Did fly, but... <laughs> if you didn't fly, you'd do breaches, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. you want to get up in their face. And with the Devilfish being quite good now, you could have a mm. Farsight Devilfish. That would be very, like, very thematic uh, to Farsight. I have a squad like, of breaches to... 
to paint on my desk. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been working on. So I did Dante, and then I've done um, a, a finished fire, a 10-man squad of uh, fire warriors, which I've, I've now learned something about my painting, is that if I'm painting a one-off model, I enjoy it. If I have to paint something more than once, I despise it. So that's why my guard is really stalled, because I'm on the, the part where I'm painting a load of guardsmen, and it just makes me want to... I don't know, set all of the models on fire. <laughs> so, um, do you want to yeah. paint? Do you want to paint like thirty Gants? I'd rather, rather swallow all my paint balls. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can just eat. You can just swallow. You can eat the Gants, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what I've been working on. But if that's a hobby progress done. We should get to the the meat and potatoes, as Josh likes to say, of the episode, which is uh, <laughs> it, it seemed. <laughs> Famous like, saying that phrase. <laughs> yeah, that is. You say that phrase a lot. Um, I, do, I, I, do, I do. I do. Um, I do. I, I just. I, I hadn't realised it's now become. Part it's your of phrase. My... <laughs> it's like the one that people always point out is that I always say uh, when I'm doing my tutorial. Uh, my tutorials is that every clip begins with and with that done. <laughs> Does, yeah, yeah, you yeah. do say that, yeah. Um, and with that, then we're going to move on to a nice shade of shayish purple. <laughs> so what I might do is I might make a war hipster t-shirt that just says, "And with that done, we're now going to move on to the meat and potatoes." <laughs> well, I do fancy some meat and potatoes now uh, with a toasty. You could do um, it. Yeah, because I say you could do it toasty. <laughs> you could do it in your George Foreman grill. Yeah. What guys? Come on. Um, when I'm being the serious one, we know this is uh, messed up. It seems like a waste having Josh on if we're not going to talk about Age of Sigma. End of the sentence right there. So it, seems like a, it seems like a waste having Josh on. And that's our podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, everyone. Uh, so, so, Josh, Content Age of Sigma. <laughs> Age of yeah, Sigma, so, what about it? So, so when we... I was going to say, when yeah. we did the last episode with you, we did AOS 2, right? So we did where we were in, at the time what was the mortal realms and the yes. situation therein now i cannot remember exactly when we recorded that but if i remember rightly that was was that pre and again i may be giving away a little bit of what the, the little and i promise you it is little that i know about the grand lore of the mortal realms but it was it was it pre or post bellacore it must have been pre bellacore way before way, way before, before. right yeah. so a whole sleeping. bunch of cool stuff has happened and obviously in real world we have had another edition of 40k uh sorry 40k another edition of aos <laughs> we've had, had another edition of 40k <laughs> yeah, since the last time i yeah, was we on have, we have had another edition of 40k but we're not talking about that um another edition of aos and we are now in the kind of the most recent book i guess that has come out at the point of the recording is the war sort of what is it war zone they're calling it thondia uh, it's just right? called season of war oh, okay season of war thondia which as i understand it is a place in the realm of beasts in gur yes, yes correct that's that's right yeah i'm not gonna i'm gonna <laughs> pretend like i know but it's josh literally told me two minutes before we start recording so i'll stop being a dick so, <laughs> Go on, josh. So, so yeah so josh over to you then so look it in summary, and the answer is probably just going to be a lot. What happened? What has happened since we last spoke to you? And where are we in the? He got world emotional ends? earlier when I we started the conversation a little bit. Yeah, yes. Age of Age of Sigma season three is built on the bones of one of my favourite characters, <gasps> and, I, and I don't care for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um, what's his name? Is it your your dude? Your guy with the hammer? 
No, no. It's got. It's, he's involved in it though, which he's makes involved. it worse. Yeah. All right. Well, fill me in. Fill me in. In the words of Craig David, fill me in. Okay. So season <laughs> two, season two, edition two of Age of Sigma began with the malign portents, where um, a number of factions started to notice that there was some funny shit going down around the realms, uh, the mortal realms, <laughs> and uh, me, they uh, they all. All signs pointed to Shayish. Uh, and um, Nagash was up to some nefarious nonsense. Uh, Nagash unleashed something called the Necroquake, uh, which happened across all of the realms, causing the dead to rise everywhere. And he wasn't entirely successful in this because um, Skaven managed to mess up the incantation. Um, because as always happens to Nagash, because Nagash is immovable, Nagash does not move, Nagash does not change, Nagash got thwarted by the Skaven for like the 15th time in his, in, in his career as, of, of Nagashing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the Skaven managed to balls it up. And so, as I said, basically the dead rose all over the melt mortal realms and, Nagash basically set into motion a plan of him trying to... Nagash believes that he should rule everything forever because death is ultimately the final destination for everyone. And... um, Excuse me. Obviously the living... (laughs) (laughs) Obviously the living disagree with that because they want to stay alive. Um, So... That went on for the duration of the uh, of the of the um, edition two of Age of Sigmar. The, the big bad was death uh, and Nagash and all of that nonsense. What we had towards the end of Age of Sigmar edition two was the Broken Realms series of books. Now. Right. The Broken Realms book series of books, for those who don't know by now, was akin to the Gathering Storm series of books, or I guess maybe more accurate for you two, in fact, would be the Psychic Awakening uh, oh, series I, yeah, of books. Yeah, I know what that is, yep. Yeah. So, Psychic <laughs> Awakening was supposed to... I get that reference. ...cause uh, <laughs> massive... Um, massive changes to the way 40k was forever going to be and it did not um but it was supposed to be a build-up shots fired it didn't change anything <laughs> yeah it didn't to be fair it it did, they went there's more psychers around hey but that's interesting grew up a bit <laughs> yeah he got taller he, he, he did he, he got taller yes that's true <laughs> And you know the, the 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 impact of that has been felt across the competitive universe in 40k. <laughs> well, you know, um, actually, has it? He's never been used. <laughs> exactly. Abaddon <laughs> exactly. invaded uh, invaded the the Nachman gauntlet, seeking to win forever for chaos, and didn't. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, nope, nothing happened. Anyway, nothing happened. So in Sigma, so, stuff actually happens. <laughs> yeah, so in the broken in the broken realms, stuff actually happened. Um, there were four books. There was broken realms Marathi. There was broken realms Teclis. There was broken realms Belakor, and there was broken realms um, uh, Kragnos. So stuff that happened was Marathi um, basically all of her schemes came to 
um, came to their conclusion. Go just, on. Sorry to interrupt you. Do, you. do you just want to tell us who, like, for people, because like, I have a vague idea, um, and but I don't know the details. Like, who is like, what what faction are we talking here? Like, Marathi's like kind of dark elves, right? Because uh, obviously, I my reference point, and I think a lot of people's reference point is either going to be old Warhammer fantasy mm-hmm. battles, or frankly, for a lot of people, Warhammer Total War, which is in that yeah, same that's the only reason I have any idea what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Marathi, in old world terms, she was the mother of Malekith who is the rightful phoenix king of the uh, of the elves um, but uh, Teclis and Tyrion who were the twin brothers of uh, uh, Anarion I think no I think anyway they, they were the phoenix they became no, the phoenix oh Jamie and Cersei Lannister god <laughs> <laughs> they, they weren't supposed to be the phoenix king it was actually supposed to be Malekith um, but stuff went wrong and it didn't really go wrong because it was what's supposed to happen um, but you know they thought it had gone wrong because there hadn't been a phoenix anyway Marathi was um, Marathi is a character that's been around for a long time Marathi is known as the shadow queen uh, she is uh, the leader of a faction called the daughters of Cain in um, Age of Sigmar as it stands right now so they are effectively a, a druki faction or dark elf faction but um it's a bit reductionist to call them dark elves now because they are very different um in the wake of the world that was in the destruction slanesh ate every elven soul that ever was and so um yeah the the daughters of cain you see a lot of things like um the medusai who are the snake ladies the reason they look like snakes is because part of their soul is still sat in slanesh and um they have they're basically tainted elven souls they're not chaotic but those snaky parts are effectively the true nature of these twisted elves that are brought out by Slanesh in some way. Um, it's There's That's a whole really cool. g- explanation of it somewhere. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But Marathi um, has always been a just an elf, really. Um, but she had aspirations of being the Phoenix Lord. Well, that was never going to happen because that's that's an in, that's an institution that 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 doesn't exist anymore in in Age of Sigmar. Um, so she had aspirations of godhood. She oh. wanted to be escalated to being a god, uh, oh, and she is not. Well. Yes, it doesn't. It always goes down well. Um, <laughs> is she the one that looks no, a bit like Medusa. Yes, she's the big snake lady with the wings. Um, that's who she is in the Age of Sigmar. For those of you looking for a reference point for the model. Um, in her book, what happens is basically after a lot of scheming since her return to the tabletop and with the Daughters of Cain book, um, she attains godhood. Uh, she overthrows a city of Sigmar, which was formerly called Anvilgard, and it's now Harkuren or whatever it is, um, Harganath. I think that's what she has renamed it to, something like that. Um, and she has attained what is an ascended godhood. So in in Age of Sigma, what you have is you have um, you have kind of ascended gods who are, for lack of a better word, mortal souls that became gods, and you also have god gods. So like Age of like Sigma himself, he is an ascended god. He was an ascended okay. god way back in the time of fantasy. He was a mortal soul that became a god, basically. But um, that is what she almost like a demigod. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Marathi has attained her godhood, but at quite a terrible price. Um, she, as I said, overthrew a city of Sigmar, which was 
a haven for dark elves and elves and humans and dwarves and all this and that and the other. But um, she has she have overthrown it and it is now a daughters of Cain city. And as a consequence of that, she has drawn the ire of Sigmar himself. So, one of the main things that happened on the tabletop as a change, this is a great example, is that order factions, so Grand Alliance order, pretty much they can all ally with Stormcast Eternals, right? Mm -hmm. Daughters of Cain cannot, will not, and never will be allowed to ever again. Oh, that's cool. So it did oh. actually change the mechanics on the tabletop as well so and and, and sorry to ask a, a non-law question but like mm -hmm. just thinking about this in, in 40k terms right so obviously we recently have seen the the thing where harlequins have become in the eldari book you can run harlequins on their own but otherwise they get taken in an eldari army mm -hmm. do you think there were people because you could build these kind of alliance like cross-faction alliance armies in sigma mm -hmm. in a way that perhaps you can't really in 40k do you think there would have been people perhaps even a small number but still enough who had built like order armies that would have had like cities of sigmar stormcast eternals and some daughters of cain in it yeah as a no, combi sure. faction and now they just have to completely kind of take those daughters of cain out Right, or I guess or, take the or take the, take the storm and cast out. Yeah, there is potential that that would have happened. I mean, the the daughters of Cain were very were a very powerful faction in second edition, so you weren't really looking for allies anywhere else. Um, right, but maybe as a Stormcast player, you might have a small four. See, in in Age of Sigma, you can depending on the size of the battle, you can take four hundred points of a listed ally, and it not affect your um uh your chapter tactical for lack of a better word um like right. your storm host abilities cool. yeah so you can take i mean you could take 1600 points of let's say daughters of cain and 400 points of cities of sigma and you won't lose any of your daughters of cain abilities mm. so it's a way of being able to create these factions you can also create just like a general grand alliance order army um which you then use the Grand Alliance Order generic stuff, and you don't get to use any of your specific, like, relics or, well, artifacts or command traits or abilities or things like that. And you just right, use the okay. generic g generic ones from the Grand Alliance Order. Um, but, um, yeah, that's the main change from Morathi. So, yeah, she's become a god. One of the cities of Sigmar is no longer a city of Sigmar. It's a city of uh, Daughters of Cain. Um, big, big moves. Lots of stuff happened in that book. It was nothing compared to what happened in Broken Realms Teclis. <laughs> right. And and as you say, Teclis is like the elven wizard, right? He's the dude. Yeah. Again, model reference, he's the one who's like he's got the big beast, the sort of spirit of, of is it the spirit of Hish? Is, yeah. his, is his model? And he's the like, like a cat with wings Selenar. with a face with horns. Yeah. yeah, cat with wings with a face. So that model's very interesting. <laughs> That, that model is very interesting because the Selenar, the spirit of Hish, that's actually the embodiment of the realm itself. The realm of Hish, which is the realm of light, is sentient. They all are to a certain extent, but that is it. The, the realm is sentient, and the Selenar is its is a, is a sentient. So, assistant. what if you killed that? Would you kill the realm? You wouldn't kill the realm, no. It would oh. just discorporate and this that, and the other. But it would, you know, it it 
it te- techless and I don't know why I sounded disappointed by that I'm sorry <laughs> I was like oh like, I, w- I just want to kill your entire realm god techless and the Selenar basically work together because techless is one of the twin gods of light the twin oh. gods being techless and Tyrion we haven't seen Tyrion yet but I believe he's coming um so we've had a massive Lumineth Realm Lords uh, release um, a couple of times. Uh, they've got quite a large faction now, which is really cool. But we've only seen the kind of um, what would you call it the the ones that are kind of more closely aligned to Teclis oh. than they are to Tyrion. So it's going to be a whole other part of the range, you reckon? I think yes. You heard uh, it here and, first. And, and I think oh, we will see Tyrion. <laughs> Because Tyrion is Tyrion is Tyrion is awesome. They're very blue. Um, I reckon they're going to be red. Then, do you think? Or Maybe green. we'll find out if it happens. Hopefully, it happens. But basically, the realm of Hish, um, the Broken Realms Teclis book, in a nutshell, uh, is the ending of Edition Two of Age of Sigma. Right. Because okay. Teclis decides that enough is enough, he's going to go and kill Nagash. Oh. Um, so Teclis takes... Action. Yeah. Teclis takes a huge Lumineth host to Shaish, and massive battles happen. Um, they unleash horrifying weapons of mass destruction upon each other. Um, and there is a titanic cataclysmic battle that happens wherein Teclis does defeat Nagash oh, yeah. oh wow okay Have it. and the Necroquake is ended oh. oh so this thing's been like going on constantly this Necroquake mm. then this wasn't yeah, like yeah. a one off event so so does that does that mean and again sorry to ask what might be like stupid questions so does that mean essentially that because the Necroquake was like happening constantly if you like I don't know <laughs> if like somebody dies and you bury them there's a pretty good chance they'll just pop up like a couple of weeks later and be like i'm a zombie now yes yeah yeah. or a ghost or something yeah um oh man that's gotta suck that's yeah it was pretty horrible. Been a funeral director yeah yeah <laughs> i'm out of business <laughs> I'll, uh, i can i mean i can put them in i can put grandma in the ground but i can't make any promises that she won't come back <laughs> yeah so he he Teclis effectively ended Nagash's designs on the mortal realms for now, because Teclis, because uh, Nagash is, as I said, Nagash is all, and all are one in Nagash. Nagash will do something again, and he will try again, and he will be thwarted by the Skaven once again because he never learns because he doesn't I, I change. Nagash, uh, well, not sorry, Skaven come across as very mischievous. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Whenever yeah. when they on Total War, whenever they pop up, it's always like a really like oh. God's sake! <laughs> can I, I was say, can I can I ask a, a slightly maybe if I'm, I'm getting off topic, but this we can return to the sort of the linear progress of, of time and how this is happening. But like the Skaven, just because, mm-hmm. and if, if they fit in, in in what you're about to describe, you know, in the next like I guess hour, um, shout at me and just tell me to shut up. That's fine. But like, where do the Skaven fit in in Age of Sigma? Because to my understanding, they're like they're not they're sort of like almost separate from everyone else right do they are they part of a grand alliance like do yes. they worship a god and stuff okay they were they they worship the great horned rat yeah the, yeah yeah the great horned rat took the place of slanesh in the in the chaos pantheon 
Because uh, well, Slanesh is missing. Slanesh is trapped in a prison between Olgu and Hish. Is that is that um, a model, the Great Horned Rat? No, he's a god. Oh, okay, so the gods aren't models normally. Yeah, no, the, so these are like... The Great Horned Rat is is like is akin to he's a very minor chaos god, but he he is akin to Slanesh, Corn, Nurgle. Yeah, yeah, um, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, just that and the other. So Skaven have been part of the pantheon of chaos. They're not really like they're kind of tolerated, but not really. They're kind of subservient to everybody, but they're Skaven, so they're constantly scheming to be the top dog, well, top rat. Um, but they are they are part of Grand Alliance Chaos. I see what um, you did there. Okay, okay, that's really interesting. Like that they fit in in that way because it's kind of yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird because when your reference point for Chaos is always you know Corn Nurgle Slanesh Zinch, as you mm. say, no, like, rat. it's like, weird to have these like rat dudes who are just kind of there. Yeah, yeah. The scale. The, basically, the 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 horn. The great horned rat saw the void that was left by Slanesh because Slanesh went missing. While Slanesh was sleeping, and then they built a gigantic prison around him between realms, and now Slanesh <laughs> That's is... got to be a rubbish way to wake up. Uh, yeah. Hang <laughs> um... on a minute. <laughs> yeah. You could get, like, you could I mean, get like a... I know I'm Slanesh, but I don't remember going to bed in bondage gear. <laughs> <laughs> you could get like a corn skaven in theory, then, right? Theoretically, yes. I mean, they do. All I mean, all realm, all races eventually have some form of allegiance to can be corrupted by all chaos gods they obviously uh, have the you know they have the the instincts of um going for the certain one like particular particular gods pre- uh, prey on particular um races so slanesh particularly enjoys the taste of elven souls corn pretty much goes after man because man is barbaric and loves war this that and the other i, say, I could um, i could see the cogs turning in like richard's head there when you said when you said corn rat men, you were just like, huh. Wouldn't rat men be like Slanesh though? Uh, sorry, uh, Zinch though? Because they're always scheming, right? They're always like scheming yeah, no, makes to get sense. things. And Zinch is like the schemer. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking of like giant wedge rats that just wanted to eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like splinter on steroids. <laughs> but you do have, um, you know, clans like Clan Pestilens that you can only kind yeah, of really no, assume okay, right. has a... Has a nurglith, a nurglith instant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, influence, um, despite being, <coughs> excuse me, um, despite oh, you know, nurgle. again they 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 spread pestilence and corruption in the name of the great horned rat. So it's all, it's all, it is all relative. Um, but yes, Teclis and Nagash have a an enormous bum fight, um, and uh, Teclis is victorious. He ends the Necroquake, he defeats Nagash, he casts his broken body down, but Nagash is never truly defeated because Nagash is death. Nagash cannot die. Nagash is eternal, Nagash is one, and all well, are one in Josh Nagash. that's Josh cheating. That needs to be balanced, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps some kind of data slate would help. Some, some, some narrative data slate that uh, takes away... <laughs> Takes away Nagash being the do- god of death. He's just the dog of death. Um, <laughs> the rat of death. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so big things happen in, in Broken Realms, Teclas. Nice. Now, I can't remember which book came next. It was Bellacor before the do- the big guy. Because you painted Bellacor before from... the other one. Yeah. Okay. See, look how much of a fan I am! <laughs> <laughs> so... Broken Realms. I could be wrong, I'm going to check. 
I'm pretty sure I'm right. Broken <laughs> Realms, yeah. Bellacore. I think you're right. I think it was Broken Realms, Bellacore. Happened I remember next. you getting the Bellacore model before the other guy. Yes. I've got his name, which shows how much of a fan I am. Kragnos. Kragnos. Kragnos, yeah. Kragnos, yeah. So, Broken Realms, Bellacore. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. It's 10 points to Gryffindor. Anyway, 10 points. 12, 12, 12 <laughs> points to Resendor. Uh Yeah. So, Broken Realms, Bellacore. Quite a lot of stuff happens here. No. Some significant developments happen. So, Bellacore, as always, is a jealous man. I don't know how much you know about Bellacore's history in in. How in can he be jealous? World. He is like one of the best looking models. <laughs> yeah, but he's not, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, I'll take I'll take a punt at this as like law boy, both L A W and L O R E, uh, when it comes to forty k in some respects. Um, but the um, yes, yeah, Rich, dab away. Um, <laughs> the um, but is isn't his thing that he like he he was the f he's the first prince, right? So he was promoted to demon. He was like the first one to be promoted. to demon princehood by the pantheon and he in the old world got a bit too big for his britches and tried to basically get one over so he himself could either become a god or could become like he expected himself to be like the ever chosen didn't he and then for his hubris in and again in whatever exactly he did do correct me but my understanding is that basically for his hubris he was basically knocked knocked down a couple of pegs so that his his job was to like go and crown the ever chosen of chaos and he had to go around and like obviously successive ever chosen in the old world were crowned by him and then he crowned archaeon and then obviously archaeon kind of blew the world up and he's always had this chip on his shoulder that like he should be the one either equal to the gods or that like at the very least he should be like leading chaos in the name of the pantheon and they yes. never let him do it yeah he believes he that he should be the ever chosen and the cruelness of fate is that he has to crown the ever chosen um interestingly enough uh, i believe that um archaeon is actually one of bellicor's children oh bellicor's having kids now yeah, Bellacore's done some weird shit in his time. <laughs> okay, Broken let Realms Bellacore. Let me look at his model and see how that's possible. Broken Realms <laughs> Bellacore is a massive deal. It opens, so the book opens with, and this is the one I've read the most because it's the most heartbreaking one. Um, the Broken Realms Bellacore opens with Lord Croak of the Sir, Sir Seraphon. Um, basically basically worried that the power of chaos could potentially undo the old one's plans for if if they're not um if if they don't make some serious moves now to try and prevent that from happening um so what he does is he orders um it's a big it's a long scheme where effectively what he does is he blows up a silver tower one of Zinch's silver towers. Right. Which is a big deal. Because the silver towers are difficult to destroy. So he blows up one of Zinch's silver towers. And this destabilizes the realm of Shaman. A little bit. Because the, the destruction is so 
massive because the silver towers are huge um, and you know they're very magical and they channel the magic of the realm and this that and the other and Zinch uses that to perform its Zinchian nonsense so they blow up the silver tower and this then cuts to Bellacor who gets a, an idea for, from this he thinks maybe I could do this but slightly different, and this will gave me the the that this will help me prove my worth to the chaos gods once again, and then I can be Bellicor the Ever Chosen. Um, so he comes up with this plan to um, uh, basically uh, destroy several realm gates around Shaman to uh, destabilize the realms even further. Um, which he then proceeds to start doing with the help of Lady Olinder, um, who is the Mortark of Grief from the Death Faction from the of the Nighthorn. She's the leader of the Nighthorn. Um, he does this because he discovers Lady Olinder's mortal remains and then basically says to her, do what I say or I'll destroy your mortal remains and that's it, you're done, kaput, goodbye forever. Um, and so oh, she... Oh, can she... Can they, can, can, sorry, again, silly... AOS law question: Can the night haunt then only exist as long as their like bones and stuff exist? Yeah, yeah. So if you if you if, it, if you utterly destroy the mortal remains of night haunt ghosts, that's it. They're gone. Um, cool. So. Um, oh. How uh, do you that? You have to entirely. Yeah, well, you have to you have to entirely destroy them, so it'd be through magical means, and of course, which Bellicor has the power with you know the Sword of Shadows, um, to basically obliterate stuff. So what he does is he, using the assistance of Lady Olander, he destroys several realm gates around the um, around Shimon that have already been destabilized by the explosion from the Silver Tower. Um, all that he would have to do is uh, basically. Um, destroy all these gates and then he would be able to destabilize the entire realm of Shaman and the realm gate network and then he might even be able to walk into Azir and throw down uh, uh, Sigma himself and um, you know be Chaos's number one favorite best boy <laughs> that's a bold plan right there it is a bold plan uh so, what happens is he creates this dramatic. Pause. A, lo a, lo a long, <laughs> a long story short, it's it's kind of diff quite difficult to kind of tell it. Is that um, he 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 summons this gigantic arcane cloud over um, the city? And I want to say it's Excelsis. I can't remember. Is it Excelsis? Uh. For a minute there, I thought you'd say ex Chelsea, and I was like, He's ex Chelsea. Look, we play for Chelsea. Of course, <laughs> it's not ex Chelsea. It's not ex Chelsea, it's Vindicarum. Of course, it's Vindicarum. Uh, so he he basically lays, lays siege to one of these massive um, cities of Sigma in Shaman, which is the realm of metal, and um, it's called Vindicarum. And, and during this, he summons, he, he, throughout the he summons this. this this arcane cloud over the top of Shaman. And what that does is that prevents Stormcast souls from returning to Azir. Ah. So when they die, 
Typically when they die, a Stormcast dies and then his soul explodes out of his mortal flesh and it, it races back to Azir where it ends up on the anvil of apotheosis and gets reforged into another Stormcast. So they get reborn and they further continue the um, the Wars of Sigma. This cannot happen. This this cr- this cloud blocks Over the realm of metal. Yeah, metal. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like um, this is a big problem. Um, now, the siege is going very badly for the Stormcast. They are dying now, properly dying, and the Stormcast haven't had to really deal with it. They've had like there are times where they faced enemies that are capable of trapping that trapping their souls. But this is if you die fighting like a bloodletter. That's it. You're done. It's over. You're going into the cloud and you're never coming back. And they know this. And so they. You, they, you can't be re downloaded from the cloud. This you is can't cloud. be re downloaded. <laughs> yeah. A Dropbox into which there is no, from which there is no return. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a this is a this is a problem. So what they kind of do is they 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 panic in a way. They 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 pull the stormcast back to like the really important parts, and they kind of start. They're they're less reckless with their souls, essentially, um, which it proves a problem for the siege because the mortal defenders can't possibly overcome the demon hordes that Bellacor is laying siege to Vindicarum with. Um, now, one of these people. Is one of my favourite characters of all time in Age of Sigmar. And this is who I was talking to Rich about earlier. This is uh, Loras Grimm, the Lord Castellan of the Steel Souls of the, Hall- of the Hallowed Knights. He's an absolute hero. He's a main character of three books. Um, he dies. Oh. Yeah, he's dead, good. dead. Yeah. Wow. Now- Josh, <laughs> no sympathy from Rich there. This needs to get good. Yeah, he did, he did that earlier, and uh, my our relationship, mine and Rich's relationship, has fundamentally changed. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he just hasn't realised that. Um, anyway, uh, the the next few bits are a bit of a blur, really. But um, <laughs> it's uh, the emotional turmoil was it, it, it is it is hard. It is really tough. You know, Loris Grimm, like I said, he's a main character in a couple of books, and he's really cool, and I loved him, and he just gets mercilessly executed by Bellacor and it's awful. You like um, Bellacor as well though? I do like Bellacor but I don't like it when Bellacor kills my <laughs> favourite characters. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's not cool. There's no way to make that sound and make it, make it good. No. But what does happen during that siege is it gets to this point where um, Gardas, who is the other favourite character of, of that book uh, Yeah, that's what, I was, that's what yeah, I was yeah. thinking of it. Yeah. Yeah. Gardas Steelsoul and Bellacor uh, start to duel. It's a one-on-one combat. It's it's, sick. it's awesome. Gardas being the absolute hero that he is, steps up to the plate. He knows that they're all going to die, but he can maybe delay that by def- by either defeating or creating this roadblock for Bellacor. They believe the siege is lost. But what's happening at the same time as this is all of the um uh the the factions I can't remember what they're called the tr- like the trade thingies of the of the Caradron overlords, they've met up with each other, and they're deciding whether or not the entire of the Caradron overlords are going to go to war. This has never happened before, and they decide, because of this one dwarf, who, they're not sure really why he's there, but he basically convinces them all that, yeah, it's a, it's a good idea for them all to get together, and to go to Vindicarum and defeat the demons, because they, that needs to happen. So, the entire faction... Of the Who's Caribbean the one dwarf? 
Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. Oh, okay. He's described as just being this en- this engineer with a white beard um, throughout the book. Uh, he's oh, just okay. he, They think of him as basically nobody. He's just this white-bearded old dwarf who kind of is a bit like, just sort of hangs around and tells them war stories and is just a bit old and crotchety and they just think, oh, he's just this, this dwarf or whatever. But um, basically... The entire of the Caradron overlords come to the aid of Indicarum, and the siege is broken. Bellacor flies up to meet the Caradron overlords and is like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fuck up some dwarfs now. This will be easy." He lands on the flagship to fight, and this old, this old white-bearded dwarf walks out, and Bellacor looks at him, recognizes exactly who he is, and goes, "Nope, I'm not fucking with that," and leaves. Oh, okay. Who, who the fuck is that then? <laughs> it later turns out that this dwarf is Grungni. Grungni is an actual true d- dwarf god. He's an actual. He's a true god. He's way more powerful than the first demon prince of chaos could even hope to um, to fight. Oh, Grungni wow. is the god of smiths of the dwarfs. Um, he also owes Sigmar a favour. So he's a bit like sorry, this is going quite quick. He's a bit like Zeus because Zeus used to go like turn into a human and hang around the humans just for shits and giggles. Yeah, sorry. that's what Grungni is kind of doing with the dwarves. He's guiding them to their right path, and they don't realise it's Grungni. Apart from one of them does eventually kind of put two and two together and goes, "Hang on, I recognise the the tool that he was holding. The tool that he was holding was a hammer with a with a with a pointed um, handle, which is very famously the thing that Grungni used to use because it's like a hammer and a chisel at the same time. Um, but um, yeah." Bellacor basically sees it and goes, no, nope, I'm not fucking with that, and leaves. Uh, and the, the siege is lifted, and the day is saved, but there is a lot of problems uh, that are, now remain. Um, Broken Realms Kragnos happens. It's fairly obvious what happens in Broken Realms Kragnos. Kragnos, the, arrive. <laughs> Kragnos arrives. Kragnos, the god of earthquakes, uh, arrives. Uh, he is unleashed once more. Um, so... Uh, that's a big deal because this is the he's he's uh he's like the first kind of real ascended um ascended, not ascended god but he is an ascended god but um kind of ascended god for the god of destruction of the, the destruction pantheon that has returned uh Kragnos Wait, so is he made... really the god of earthquakes is that like his thing like his yeah that's, that's one of his titles yeah he's the so god you have of like a god of volcanoes yeah there probably is one yeah oh that's I don't know why that's where face place my head went, but that's quite cool. But yeah, so he he has returned. Kragnos was the one who was responsible for laying low the Dracothi, uh, the, the, the Draconid empires way back in the Age of Myth. Um, Kragnos uh, spent a lot of time murdering dragons. Um, what? Yeah, it's not allowed. Yeah, <laughs> it gives you an idea of how powerful he is, though, right? Because if he if he can like mess up an entire dragon empire. You know, basically on his own. That's so I mean, pretty, he beat Crondis and stuff like that. That's mental. Yeah, no. So Karazai, you know the model Karazai, the scarred. Yeah, yeah, the one of the scars. The scarring that's all up his <laughs> face. That was given to him. That was given to him by by Kragnos. Oh wow. Okay. He and Kragnos had a fight, and um, yeah, Kragnos beat him up. <laughs> um. So he's a pretty pretty powerful dude, basically. Yeah, he he was um, so he was he was a member of a tribe of beastmen known the known the Drogruk. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, 
they were... like a giant centaur type thing, don't he? Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, yeah, he he beat he fought the Draconith, uh, the Dracon the Draconith Empire. Um, eventually, the Draconith Empire summoned Croak. He makes another appearance in Broken Realms to um, basically topple and defeat uh, Kragnos. Um, and at, at which point, Kragnos was uh, sealed in a pocket dimension underneath a mountain. Um, so he was sealed away. He would never be um, come back. But it was actually accidentally during the Broken Realms that Alariel who woke him up by accident. <laughs> oh, well done, Alariel. Um, Bloody hell. Was that... And, and sorry, again, just to tie together with stuff in the game. Was that Beast Grave? Or is that something different? Because I know that was like different. the underworld... That was like the underworlds thing. But I thought that was like linked together. Was that, that people were... Because Beast Grave is like the mountain in Gur that's like magic and, and kind of eats people. And it was kind of hinted that there was something imprisoned in it. So I wasn't sure if that was Kragnos as well. Yeah, no. I don't I don't think that he's related to Beast Grave. Um, but yeah. He, 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 I mean, he comes about in this book. I don't know. I, can't, I don't know the answer to that. Um, right. But um, yeah, so he 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 um, uh, the necroquake didn't open up his prison. The right of life that Alariel um, cast uh, was enough to break it open. And so when he comes out, um, he he to him it kind of feels like he's been gone for hours, but it's actually been millennia. Um, all of his all of his people are dead. He's the last one of the Drogrook. Um, and he's not very happy. <laughs> um, long story short, a number of like uh, he he gathers a number of um, a number of uh, factions to him, like Gordrak of the uh, of the um, of the uh, what are they called Iron Jaws. Right. He's a Gordrak, the Fist of Gork. He's the war boss riding the angry cabbage, is what people often refer to it as. Oh, um, that dragon thing. <laughs> yeah, the Oric, a bit like a cabbage from a distance. Yeah, the Oric walk on on Moor Crusher. Um, but um, <laughs> cabbage, it's like yeah. a giant frog. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, so they 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 basically then lay lay siege to Excelsis, which is why I was getting confused. Um, uh, help comes at the final moments in the form of Marathi. Oh, during that, okay. during that. Um, uh, during that fight, Marathi turns up, um, and between Marathi and Croak, they create a trap to lead him away from the city, um, where he kind of he basically runs into um, a spell portal and then ends up being <laughs> transported far away. But uh, yeah, Excelsis gets very, very, very broken. Um, uh, so you know the the Knights Excelsior and the Astral Templars are very heavily involved in this one, fighting against a god of destruction. But um, and there's all kinds of Slanesh hijinks and all this kind of thing happening as well. But um, yeah, it's a uh, Excelsis lies in ruins. It's nearly broken, but much like Vindicarum, it will survive. And yeah, that is the end of the Broken Realm series. And as a consequence of that, we lead into Age of Sigmar three, where um, we now have a new style of armor called Thunderstrike armor. Thunderstrike armor on the on the Stormcast Eternals. The reason it is the way it is is it's supposed to be a little heavier, a little better, a little more better made. It's got Grungni's face stamped all over it. The reason for that is because it helps their souls get back to Azir. 
more so than their old armor did. It, it, it creates a much bigger explosion when they die of soul stuff, propelling them through that cloud and back to Azir. That's the idea. But of course, it is not a fel, fel, uh, foolproof um, foolproof mechanism. Some, some Stormcasts do not make it back. It's a big deal, is what happened in Broken Realms. Um, Bellacor. Uh, Broken Realms Bellacor? Yeah, well, yeah, it is Broken Realms Bellacor, but the Broken Realms series, lots of stuff happened. Um, thus leading us into Age of Sigma 3. Where did the dragons come in? <laughs> oh, Sorry. Well, yeah, okay. well I, I was going to say, just again, going to like in-game stuff, does like does the Thunderstrike armor have... Because I know I know the Ossiarch Bone Reapers, right? The the skeleton dudes, they have like a, a one of their sub-factions is mm. a thing where like every time they die, they explode. So they do like mortal wounds and stuff to stuff around them. With this Thunderstrike armor, did the Stormcast get some like similar mechanic? Is it like reflected yeah. in the game? Yeah. So it never used to be. It was always weird that it didn't. But like they always used. It's always described in in Age of Sigma. Whenever they die, like they explode in Azerite energy and they go, their souls go flying up to Azir, which is always a really cool mechanic of them narratively. But on the battle on the tabletop, it never really it didn't it didn't have a representation. Now it does. Whenever anybody, whenever a Stormcast Eternal dies, I believe it's on the roll of a six. They do mortal wounds. That's quite cool. If you are That's wearing cool. Thunderstrike armor, it goes off on a five. I believe is the rule. That's quite check, cool. Because I've got the book right here. Um, That's cool. That's I like a cool make... little mechanic to like represent. Yeah, the like a power of the Azurite. It's it's the martyrdom of the Call of Duty world. Yeah, it is. It is drop it. It's the equivalent of dropping a grenade when you're down. I used to hate uh, that. You kill someone and then it's like, ah, oh, you. <laughs> yeah. Did, and you words here. You've ruined my kill streak. <laughs> I will look it up one moment. I've got the book in front of me. Um, where are we? Army rules, path to glory, war scroll battalions, um, matched play. Nope. I need the Scions of the Storm section. I know it's there. Uh, Stormhost. Blaze of Glory. If a friendly Stormcast Eternals model is slain within one inch of an enemy unit, before removing that model from play, pick one enemy unit within one inch of that model and roll a number of dice equal to the wounds characteristic of that slain model. Add one to the number of dice if you roll You roll if the slain model has Thunderstrike keyword. For each six plus, the target suffers one mortal wound at the end of that phase. So, if you've got six wounds, you roll six dice and any any. Oh, imagine you rolled six sixes just for lols. Oh, I mean that's that's <laughs> like that's really powerful. That's yeah, really cool. good. Yeah, it's really cool. It's just the fact you get the number of that you know because you think about it right. Even a, a I don't know like a I forget a forty k equivalent like a tank blowing up or, or you know a tyranid going crazy their death throes. You just roll a d six. And that's yeah. it. And then you do a set number more wins. The fact you roll, like, even on the infantry model, like, two or three dice, that's pretty good. That's spicy. It's nice, isn't it? And it's very, very, very thematic. It's really cool. I mean, it doesn't come up very often. Like, mm. you know, you might do a mortal wound, but there's mortal wounds all over the place. Um, where, it's, where it gets quite funny is um, if you're using, for example... Krondis or Karazai the Scarred, the two Yes, so dragons. the dragons. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, the two big dragons, they both have the Thunderstrike keyword, and they each have 18 wounds. So if you kill Karazai, you you roll 18 dice, and any fives do mortal wounds because they explode. Wow. Um, oh, my word. That's that's not... So basically, shoot the dragons. Don't 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 fight them. Yeah. Aren't they not minus you... to hit or something? <laughs> uh, they can be. 
Yes, they are. Ancient Master of War. Subtract one I, from the attack. I've read the book. <laughs> they're not minus one to hit. They're minus one attack. Oh, okay. From I've, ranged weapons. I've almost read the book. Um, so yeah, where do, where do the dragons come in? So the dragons... Um, uh, so if they, they, you said that they got beaten earlier. So they, did they yeah. come back at the same time as the Thunderstrike armor was like introduced? Sort of. They've been knocking around for a while. So the Draconith Empire was basically toppled by Kragnos and the Drogruk uh, before he was imprisoned, and then they go and went and murdered all of the Drogruk. Um, Krondis being son of Dracotheon, a direct descendant of the what is basically the god of dragons, so the dragon of all dragons. Um, Krondis was one of the last remaining, if not the last remaining, but one of the last remaining. So he, in his shame for not you know, overseeing the end of what was a prosperous empire, um, he went to Azir and he hung out there for a millennia. Um, he then sort of... He was very depressed because um, you know his entire race was butchered, and he could he didn't he wasn't able to prevent it by himself. Um, till eventually, uh, you know, all of the stuff that happened at the beginning of Age of Six, well, at the end of Age of Myth, started to happen, and um, as he then started to kind of help out the Stormcast by clearing up Azir, which is what so it's the first thing they did was before they went out into the rest of the realms they went and kind of rooted out all of the you know cults or um evil factions or whatever in Azir and um basically tamed tamed the realm of order um and uh Krondis helped out with that Krondis didn't know what had happened to a number of his other uh, his his kin so Karazai the Scarred being his brother um he didn't know Karazai's fate. Um, he thought he was the last. He wasn't the last. There were a couple more remaining, but he was hanging out in his ear till eventually he and um, Sigmar made a pact. They said, you know, I'll help you for as long as uh, as long as I, I I choose to. Said Krondis. Mm. Um, so they've been around. They've been hanging out. It's just now they are now they are fully active out in the realms. So the Stormdrake Guard being uh, an example of. Um, another storm host or another organization within the storm stormcast eternals they are now very much abroad they're very much known and um, they were very extremely they're extremely rare um the way a storm drake guard is chosen is very cool basically the dragon flies around and uh basically chooses someone that they might bond with and watches them for a very long time to figure out if they to, to figure out if they're going to be a good fit for them they will fly exceptionally high above the sky just you know basically weighing up the um the strength or the validity of the soul that they have chosen in their in their own mind um until eventually they'll fly down and they'll introduce themselves and say look do you want to hang for for eternity do you want to be bonded together and then they will be bonded together and they will fight forever uh, well until they both die essentially um <laughs> Yeah, they're very cool. They're very, very cool. Um, very much worth reading about in this book. There's a lot of really great information about the Stormdrake Guard and the dragons in the Stormcast Eternals book, so just very much worth picking up if you want to read about dragons. That's cool. Uh, dragons make everything better. Dragons do make everything better. Right, so we've had 
so that that's AOS three. We've had the dragons come along, and sorry, the the, the draconith knight things that you get, like the dragons you get in your stormcast army, the Arnacrondis yep. and Karazai. Are they are they like full draconith? Are they like the same species as Krondis and Karazai? Because like, yes. obviously obviously they're physically smaller. Are they as intelligent? Yeah, 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 they oh, are. Right. Yeah, okay. they are. Okay. Yeah, okay. they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're proper dragons. They're smaller, cool. but yeah, they're proper proper dragons. Um, Why are they smaller? Just because they're not directly related to Draconith or to Dracotheon? I don't know why. I don't know the answer. To That's that. what I meant. Dracotheon. <laughs> um, I think I. I just. They're probably just spawn of m- more mighty dragons. You know how it is in dragon culture. You have the big ones and you have the little ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, That's the cool. Dragon culture is usually. Like the bigger you are, the stronger you are, kind of thing, right? So, yeah, like orcs. Um, so that so that gets so that gets us to like AOS three. So, yes. where are we? Like, what are we heading into? Because we've just had this Thondia book that has has yeah. come out, right? Which obviously gives gameplay options mm-hmm. to people, including, as I understand it, new spells and stuff that people can cast. Um, yep. And there's this there's this elemental, very cool looking. Uh, is it called? I will try and get the name right. Is it called a Cron Spine Elemental? Is the Cron right? Spine Incarnate of Gur. Kron's... Yeah. Okay. Oh, Cron oh, wow. Spine Incarnate, so cool. which is like this kind of like ghost energy dragon beast goat thing. Because it's yeah. kind of got the head of a goat that's kind of like a dragon. I don't even know how to describe it. But uh, and that, as I understand it, is like a kind of almost a new like you can add it to your army if you're playing one of these missions, right? Or it can be it, or does it just yeah. exist on the board and stuff? But yeah, what's going on? Tell me, explain. Yeah, I mean, so this edition is focused in um, the realm of Gur, which is the realm of beasts, beast magic, wild magic, whatever you want to call it. Um, because the thing with 40 not 40k, what am I talking about? The thing with fantasy and Age of Sigmar is that the realms are cyclical in terms of the, like, the winds of magic have always been cyclical. They, they rise and they fall depending on the season, effectively. Um... And what we have in Age of Sigmar is we have what is essentially grand alliance. We have four grand alliances, and each one is in ascendancy at different times. Right. It's because they. It's the idea that all that the things that befall um, uh, befall the world happen in a cyclical nature. So what happens is you if you if you establish order on a realm or even if you think of think of your painting desk right that'd be difficult to establish order on this thing mate i've got to be honest <laughs> yeah. but so say you say you decide to leave and you uh, say say you decide one saturday morning that you are going to finally tidy up your painting desk so what you do is you establish order on your painting desk you clean everything up you put everything where it's supposed to be it looks awesome you're really happy but then what happens is you start to work on that desk once again and yeah. therefore, chaos is once again introduced. I literally did that the other day. I even organised my paint pots into colours, had all the bottles facing the right way around, and then now they're all over the place again. Yeah. In the wake <laughs> of great, in the wake of great chaos, what happens is death. Well, I don't plan on killing anything, but you know, never, never say never. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I threw away some paint that I had basically finished. I combined a few pots. And then threw it away when I had my tidy ups. And I guess there was chaos. There was death. Oh, combine this. some pots. I never thought of doing that, you know. In the wake of great death, 
comes the cleansing fires of destruction. Uh, I just throw things are quite a lot, actually. Yeah, I can just I could break something right now. (laughs) And then in the aftermath of destruction, you re-establish order. Oh, okay. It's just a cycle. Yeah. So that's the idea. A bit like the the circle of life. Yeah. Yeah. So what we have in what we have in 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 Age of Sigma is we've seen a Chaos edition that was the first edition. We've then seen the Death edition that was the second edition. We've then seen the Destruction edition, which is this edition right now, which is why we're focused on the realm of Gur. And the new book that just came out was is the is the um is the Season of War Thondia. This is a book that contains rules for fighting in Thondia, which is a as I've said already, a continent in the in in the realm of Gur. It contains rules for the Kronspine incarnate of Gur. It has a narrative exploring the wild wild realm of beasts as the prime huntress Yindrasta uh, investigates the strange events transforming the land. Gur has been quiet and reasonably well tamed for a long time, but now it's very active. And in the realm of beasts, everything is savage. Even the ground is trying to eat you. Oh, that sounds That's fun. pretty cool. Very yeah. Indiana Jones, I get. If you look at any of the maps, if you look at, if you've got the, for example, like if you've got the the core book uh, of Age of Sigmar, it all looks like teeth, doesn't it? Like it all, all the, looks all like, the, like teeth. Oh wow! Okay. The, yeah. The geography of 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 the realm of Gur looks like looks like teeth. It's really cool. Um, so yeah, if if you if you have a core core rule book of Age of Sigma on page eighty. You have uh, no. That's actually the realm of fire. Sorry, I've got the wrong one. Um, <laughs> that's the great parch. No, I've, I've gone to the wrong place. Um, yeah, basically, if you find it, <laughs> yeah, which I will in a minute. No, I know. The, I know the one you mean. I know the one you mean. There's like the map of uh, the map of Gur, which is like very all the bays and stuff look like kind of the mouths of beasts, and there's like kind of lots of spiky sort of skeleton-like bits on yeah. the, on the actual geography itself. Yeah, I've got I've got it now. So it's on page one hundred. You've got Gur, the realm of beasts. You've got the Gurish heartlands, which is you know it also contains a map of Thondia right there. But um, yeah, if you look at that map, all of the coastline looks like daggers. It all looks like gaping moors opening to eat eat ships that um, that float into those into those coves and cow oh, and, wow. uh, and all this kind of thing. It's very very cool. Um, the realm of Gur. Like I said, it's been dormant for a long time because chaos was in ascendancy and then death was in ascendancy, but now the realm has awoken and destruction is coming. Um, so all of these uh, great cities that have been built in the realm of Gur to tame the savage heartlands and the savage as a savage land of Gur, uh, they are now under threat because the realm is awakening and it's trying to eat these cities because it doesn't care for order. It wishes to destroy all order it's not malicious i mean it is malicious but it's not personal <laughs> it's just destruction does not care for order so it wishes to throw it down and yeah that's what this book uh the new book does is it creates gives you the opportunity to be able to recreate battles in the realm of Gur, which is really cool there's no there's no armies of renown there's no there's no, <laughs> there's no. Um, you mean there's no stampede to the ability to crush in no. the uh, in, oh, in, that was in, in a... the realm of Gur. Do you mean there's a... no like, whole dwarf. new rule set that makes my army win everything? No, no. Like, I can't what take a hundred veteran cohorts or anything. 
No, there's nothing like that. What you can do is you can use the spell law of Gur. You could use the Kronspine Incarnate of Gur. And I believe there's a, core, a couple of core battalions as well that you might be able to use. Battle tactics, grand strategies, and things like that. But everybody can use those. Everybody across every faction can use those. What, you so. mean it's fair? Oh. <laughs> That's ridiculous! <laughs> yeah, I think the only people who miss out on one thing in it are um, Nighthaunt, because they don't have any monsters. Ah! <laughs> That's better. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's someone it's, has to suffer. It's only fair. Some yeah, someone has to. Although the, the Night Haunt are about to get a new book, so we'll see who's really suffering at the end oh, of that. Okay. Ooh. Oh. they might get a new ghosty monster of some kind, and then they can benefit from it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the new um, what's he called? Uh, the ferryman. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's him. There's a new model for the Night Haunt as well. There's two new units, actually. There's three new units that I know of. There's the Scripta Mortis, who I'm showing up to the camera for Rez and Adam to see. He's cool. There he is. The new Scripta Mortis that came in the Arena of Shades. In there, you've got the Craven Throne Guard as well for the Night Haunt. And then you've also got the new. I, I keep forgetting his name. It's really bad, but um, something the fellow. I, I, want, I keep wanting to call him Crawlock, but that's Crawlock the Jailer. Um, I can't remember the new guy's name. Uh, I'm going to look it up now. So, uh, night, night horn, <laughs> night horn, uh, ferryman. What's he called? How many sigma um, armies have you got now, Josh? All rack the drowner. That's his name. How many sigma armies do I have? I have the Sylvaneth. I have four different storm hosts of Stormcast Eternal. <laughs> so, so I have five armies. I have the Daughters of Cain. Uh, I have Caradron overlords that I haven't done anything with yet. Um, so four, five, six, seven, seven, seven Age of Sigma oh, armies. Oh, okay. Cool. That's cool. cool. That's cool. So that, that gets us to where we are today, basically, with Age of Sigma. So it's yeah. an exciting time. Mm. Like, given the edition is relatively young, because Dominion was, what, like, last year? Yep. Um, summer last year. Summer last year. So it's, like, it's a pretty exciting time to be playing Age of Sigma. That's pretty cool. It's a very exciting time to be playing Age of Sigma. It's very good yeah. because, you know, we're we're... We're right at the beginning of a. We're effectively right at the beginning of an of a of a of a of an edition, and that's always quite exciting because you know you, you've got you've got all the old books, yes, that could do with being updated. But I think what Age of Sigmar does is it doesn't it hasn't really made cataclysmic changes to its the way it plays. Not like 40k has really, um, so much so that towards the end of an Age of Sigmar. Um, edition what you'll see is the books might be written a little bit weirdly so you might read it and go well that doesn't really make any sense like i can't really use that now and then what they do is they drop an edition a month later and you go oh right yeah no it makes sense now oh they kind Which of did that with sisters didn't they a little bit in a way yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah yeah in 40k sisters battle definitely yeah. was a book that was at least partially written for ninth edition yeah yeah then they released yeah. their book like a few months later anyway <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I think so far we've had Maggot Kin of, we've definitely had Maggot Kin of Nurgle. Their new book's really good. We've had Stormcast Eternals. We've had yep, Oracle War Clans. Yep. Um, I'm not sure if the Ideneth book and the Fire Slayers book are out yet. I'm, they might they might be. Uh, I'm gonna look it up now. I remember seeing something. Um, they were they weren't far away, or they were just on the cusp of being. Um, the being Fire Slayers book is out. Yeah. Fire Slayer's book is out. Okay, yeah. We've got a limited edition available for it. 
So, yeah. so basically, if we're as we're in forty in the forty k land, as we're actually heading towards the end of the Codex release cycle, because let's be fair, we've only got, you know, what with Tyranids having just come out, um, we've got knights, guard, knights, we've got guard. Space Marines, we've got knights coming out and demons. Um, yeah. So yeah, exciting. Yeah. So yeah, what's what was that? We, the two Imperial knight, the two knights codexes, Chaos Space Marines. Chaos Demons, Guard. Chaos Demons. Oh, so five books left. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and then I guess if they want to go mental, all the Space Marine supplements. Yeah, I mean, I suspect <laughs> that. There's, so at least an, there's at least another year of 10th edition left to go. Or oh, 9th edition oh, left to go, I should yeah. say. Before 10th comes out. But um, with, with, yeah, there's still quite a lot of factions to go through. Stormcast, like, uh, not Stormcast, Age of Sigma. Which oh, you've yeah. Not mentioned, you've not mentioned Dino one. Boys. You've not mentioned Demons. Yeah, no, they're they're all yet to come. Uh, demons are quite a different one in Age of Sigmar because they they align quite often with their own. They've all got their own faction, right? So Maggotkin of Nurgle, you don't need a Chaos Demons book because the Maggotkin of Nurgle book is where you would use your Nurgle Demons book. Right, okay. Uh, Nurgle Demons. Uh, you've got the Corn Do you get, do you get like an undivided demon army in Sigmar? You can, yeah. It's the Slaves to Darkness. So and you've that's got Bellicor. you. Yeah, Slaves to Darkness would be... Yeah, Bellacore would fit into that book, but also um, we haven't had that book yet, but uh, Archeon is in there as the ever-chosen of Chaos, so he can command everything so and it's, everyone. It's, it's, um, so, um, me knowing... Actually, to be honest, I know very little about even Warhammer Fantasy, so mm. apart from other than Total War, where I just kill Archeon as many times as possible. Um, he's is he's the big bad of the Sigma world? Archeon, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's the... <sighs> It's a bit. It's a, it's an unfair comparison, but Archeon is the Abaddon of um, Sigma. Yeah, he's he's coming along to just mess stuff up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except Archeon is like way more powerful than Abaddon. Yeah, yeah. Um, he doesn't have a Abad- demon sword that Abby. hurts him back. Poor Abby. No, Archeon instead has a has a mount that is cons- is made out of all four. Chaos Gods. Oh, wow. um, Let me see what his model and looks like. Archeon. The model is amazing. It's ridiculous. Have you painted it's, it? It's massive. I've not painted him. He's one that I desperately want to do. Um, what army does he come under? Slaves to Darkness. Slaves to Darkness, right? Yeah. Slaves to Darkness, okay. Yeah. yeah. You can field him and a unit uh, and, and the Varon Guard. That can be your entire army. So it's just the grand leader of chaos plus a bunch of knights on horses oh, vanguard wow. are really really that's cool. like a dragon meets oh it's got all the different heads yeah oh it's... wow it's, it's like it's got like a um oh i'm butchering this but it's like it's got the greater demons as the heads yeah corn zinch and nurgle are all present on the model yeah i guess that's... the isn't because he's still in prison yeah <gasps> oh wow Oh, that's that's cool. so cool, and he's got like, a fiery cool. sword. So, uh, the Slayer of Kings, I believe, is what it's called. Oh. Pretty sick. So, you're, so I think, and I think it's it's worth saying as well, like for people who are you know forty k only players, it's still quite. I mean, leaving aside kind of just the fun, right, of looking into the lore of AOS because it just is quite cool. Because obviously, the lore of AOS in some respects can be a lot more freeform mm. than the law of 40k because you know 40k hasn't had a warhammer fantasy battles 
world that was we're just going to blow up the universe and start again type thing where no, you can still do callbacks you can still do kind of references but fundamentally they can just make anything up now for mm. aos i mean I know obviously they can make anything up for 40k if they want to right but there's still some kind of it has a it has a consistent track going back now what like 30 40 years right yeah god think about that warhammer, warhammer 40k as a concept and to be fair warhammer fantasy because it could be coming up for like 50 years old yeah. really quite soon yeah, which mad. is kind of cool um but uh, but you know they've been going back they, they they so aos i think is cool to learn about the law but if you are just a competitive 40k player literally the only thing you're interested in is turning up rolling dice on the tabletop and playing with your little spacemen right you don't really care about the law i still think it's worth paying attention to aos because a lot of the game mechanics and a lot of the ideas for how the game works obviously there are big differences mm. but you sort of see the theory bleeds through i think anyway and people may disagree with this from one to the other so the example i always like to think of to pick on is like the stormcast and the idea of the stormcast chambers that we've seen sort of unlocking these like different types of stormcast that were released when the stormcast range you know from the inception of age of sigmar through i guess most recently to dominion and the thunderstrike armor but like these various chambers of stormcast that were like unlocked and released and mm. actually what we've seen for the space marines for the primary space marines is something kind of similar right like we had a we had your basic intercessors and your hell blasters and stuff like that then we had all the phobos marine stuff which was all mm -hmm. your kind of stealthy marines and then we've had the we've had more of like the gravis the heavy armor so the heavy heavy intercessors things like that and the tanks that come along with that so the kind of heavy side of it and you know it looks like what we might be getting in future if put it this way if if the trailer for space marine 2 uh, the video game tells us anything we're, we're going to be getting some marines that are assault marines with jump packs but they're primaris marines with jump packs right so we're now getting maybe getting that kind of thing so it's a similar idea at least in terms in principle in terms of game design about how they update the range and i also think it's worth looking at the rules of age of sigmar because you know stuff that works in age of sigmar you can see them porting that across to 40k yeah, and Not I also it, think I think yeah. fundamentally playing Age of Sigmar makes you a better forty K player. Yeah, I can I can see that because um, well, I mean, like the the multi turn thing is probably a big one, right? Because forty K yeah. you just don't have to deal with that, you know. And for people who don't know, it's because in AOS you 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 roll off for priority right at the start of each turn. Yeah. So so effectively, you can have a double turn. You can have a situation mm -hmm. where like if Josh and I are playing. Josh goes first, and then we get to turn round battle round two. Roll again. Josh goes Josh goes first again. So it's not, you know, first, second, first. So, so, sorry, I take that back. It's not Josh, me, Josh, me, Josh, me. It's It can go Josh, Josh, then me, you know, like that in a game. Which yeah. is, I think, to most 40k players who don't know about Age of Sigmar, or maybe people who are newer to the game as well, would sit there and go, how in the hell does that work? Because if you think about that in a 40k context, right, <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, my army's been shot off the board in two turns. Uh, what do I do? You know, so it's yeah. kind of interesting to, to, to see how that translates across mm. if they were ever to do it there is yeah, a lot less think... shooting in sigma though there is yeah there's a lot exactly. less shooting yeah. in sigma yeah. I, I think it's one of those things of if you if you if you if you comped the game quite in 40k if you comp the game quite significantly so you said like you can only take like 25% of your army can have a ranged weapon that's over 24 inches then you could probably introduce it Otherwise, you know, crying if, in a corner. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, if you if you if you were to play, 
let's say you play World Eaters versus Tau and you used uh, Age of Sigmar priority mechanics and World Eaters go first, Tau go second, and then in the next turn, Tau go first, and then World Eaters, Eaters go second. It's going World Eaters, Tau, Tau, World Eaters. I don't think the World Eaters will be allow- around to have their second turn. It's, it wouldn't no. work so much. But what I mean when I say I think playing Age of Sigmar makes you a better Age, a better 40k player is Age of Sigmar teaches you fundamentally that you have to think at least three or four battle rounds ahead. Um, if I just move my entire army forwards... Into, if I if I go first and I move my entire army forwards and then my opponent has two turns on me, I'm not choosing any of the charges. I'm not choosing anywhere the battles are going to happen. My opponent yeah. is. Um, so you have to be very Your damage careful. splashes over as well. So like you're really you're not yep. just thinking like two three turns ahead. You're thinking about like all possible outcomes for those turns. So yep. you've got to be really flexible and 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 think on the fly because your opponent mm. could. If they have, if a point has two turns in a row, they've skipped ahead and done something you yeah. could no way calculate or expect. Well, you could yeah. if you, but you have to think that. One way. of the things I would love to see come in, and I think you could do it now, now that Overwatch is a stratagem, is the way that you you just declare a charge, you roll the dice, and you don't have to say who you're going for, or where you're going you just basically if i'm within say i'm within six inch say i've got a hero and i'm within six inches of three different units i don't have to go i'm charging unit a i can just go i'm going to charge with this guy roll my two dice if i roll 10 inches oh great i can go to the one furthest away or if i roll six inches i have to go to the one that's closest that is something i would really love to see and then in combat phase as well in age of sigmar everything alternates it's it's no all charging units go first it's everything alternates so I pick, you pick. I pick, you pick. If it's my turn, I pick first, then you pick second. I always um, find a combat phase is such a weird one because it, it punishes you for charging multiple units in your turn. So if you're a combat army, mm. it's like you get pun you get you ultimately get punished because of the way that uh well, that works. But I guess it's different in Sigma as well because it's mostly combat. But in 40k, you, I always found it weird that you ultimately get punished because if that doesn't work with shooting. But the combat is more effective than shooting like it's a bigger way to win the game so yeah i mean if you removed the everybody gets to interrupt stratagem from 40k mm, the game would last not long at all yeah which is i think if you remove that and move to a i fight you fight um style game it, it makes it more tactical right it, yeah you, it's a very different go, game as well yeah and and even for those combats that are still locked in if it's my turn, it's still I pick, you pick. It's not... I mean, that's what they do now in in, in 40k. It's I pick, you pick if it's my turn, right, for all of those long-lasting combats. But yeah. I think if all combat was like that, you what it teaches you is it teaches you asset management. Mm-hmm. And it also teaches you target priority. Charging your... You know, if I charge my unit of six Annihilators with Meteoric Grand Hammers into a unit of 30 Skaven... Uh, plague monks i can be fairly confident that i'm going to fell at least 20 of them uh, um, and and i won't take too much damage back but if i charge my you know n- my six an- an- annihilators into a unit of 20 chaos warriors and a unit of four varangard and I elect to kill the Chaos Warriors, the Varangard are now going to punch me very hard in the face so i have to go well well, I'm going to kill the Varangard because 
they're the things that are capable of hurting me back. You see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I, I like the, I like the charge concept. Like that idea of you just roll a charge and then, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, it has. I guess it has a disadvantage in that it means that, because you still have, you could still have Overwatch work, right? Which is you roll a charge. You declare the charge, and then at that point, they can then spend the CP and go, okay, well, the unit that you have picked for the target of the charge, or one of the units you have picked for the target of the charge, is going to try and overwatch you, right? You could you could still happily do that, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think that would be more interesting, and it would make combat armies more interesting. It would make charging more fun. And also, I think people forget, like, in 40k, that's how psychic powers actually work. People always do this thing where they're like, I'm going to target a unit with psychic powers, and then they roll the power. It's actually not how it works in the rules. In the rules, you roll the power first, then you declare the target. Yeah. Which is which I know people may be chatting into the you know headphones and being like, "You're an idiot." That's of course that's how it works. But like for me, I was so used to do shooting. Oh, I'm going to target X with yeah. X. Roll it. Yeah, like shooting. But it's not. It's actually like no. You just I'm going to do this power. Roll it. Has it gone off? Right. Okay. What's within eighteen? You know, I'll target that one or that one. Mm. So I, I'm okay with that for a charge mechanic. I think that would make charging more interesting. So there's definitely some stuff we could learn. And make it more a bit more consistent, it. right? It'll give you more. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like how how the bad feels moment when you want to make a five inch charge, but you roll, you know, two twice, but there is something like a meter away that you could have got to. Hmm. Like it yeah, mean, it would because well, like in a game this is not going to happen. <laughs> Well, it also it also forced the you know if you're the defending player right if you've got someone charging into you, it forced you to really think about your screening a lot more carefully. Yeah. Because yeah. at the moment you can kind of just screen and then pop stuff down and be like, oh okay, well I'm just gonna assume you're gonna hit them first. Mm. Um, but it would make it much more interesting. Mm. Yeah. There's other there's other things as well that are like you know the way that you build armies in forty in Age of Sigma. I, the 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 rehash that they've done for AOS three has just been amazing. Um, you have a limited amount of reinforcements that you can do. So if a unit comes, so like to put it in 40k terms, you get four reinforcements per army at 2000 points. A unit of space, you know, in the codex where it says a unit of space marines consists of four space marines and a sergeant. Mm. That's that. That's the unit. That's what the core part of that so, unit oh, is. So if you put like a 10 man, 10 man squad, that'd be two units. Yeah. So so if you if you well, if you make it a ten man squad, you use up one of your reinforcements so it makes it a ten man squad. So you buy them in blocks of five, you don't buy them in blocks of one. Mm. That's how okay. they do it. Yeah. It's really cool. It's worth worth checking out. But um yeah, I think, you know, Age of Sigma, it's a wonderful time to be alive, so you should absolutely all get involved. Um put down put down your Warzone Knackman Grand <laughs> Tournament pack and pick up your Dominion box sets because Age of Sigmar is the best forever and ever. <laughs> and just dragons. But I think this is a, a good place maybe to start wrapping up. So um, it's been a pleasure. I've learned a lot about Sigmar and I'm, I'm excited to get painting my Stormcast again. But before we go, Josh, tell us a little bit more about your stream and what you're kind of doing at the moment uh, for, for a bit or a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, I've, I've just... It's a couple of quick things. What I'm doing, for those of you who don't already know, I am currently in the midst of trying to uh, turn War Hipster into the greatest channel of all times. Uh, in order to do this, I have to massively upgrade uh, all of the gear and equipment and whatnot that I have at my disposal. So um, 
I'm currently running a GoFundMe um, to try and do that because I can't do it on my own. I, I, I wish I could, but um, I do need the help of, of the massive community that's out there. So I'm running a GoFundMe to raise some cash to bump up all of my technology to, so I can just make the videos that I make for contrast painting even better and also make, you know, talking about Age of Sigmar at great lengths, make those types of <laughs> videos re look really good and actually be very valuable. Um, so uh, in, in support of this, I'm running two things. Um, this Friday, 22nd of April, I don't know if the podcast will go out before then, but um, this Friday, the 22nd of April to the 23rd of April from 7.30pm to 7.30pm, I'm going to be doing a 24-hour stream where I will be painting a Sylvaneth army, 2,000 points of it, on stream live at youtube.com board slash warhipster. So that's part of the uh, fundraising effort. So do if you want to see me fail, give me some money. Uh, if you want to see me succeed, give me some money. And if you want to just if if you want to just hang out and help me through the twenty four hour challenge to see if it's entirely possible, please do. I would really like to see you guys on there. It would be awesome. I think both Adam and Rich are going to make an appearance, maybe even a couple of times throughout the twenty four hours. So we'll see. Uh, and the other thing that I've got, and this is very time sensitive, so again, I don't know if this podcast will go out in time, but I've got a raffle on where you guys at home for a for for a two pound ticket could win one of three space marine army prizes that i have one is a massive two thousand point unpainted army the other is a dark angels combat patrol and the other is a death watch kill team sized army so and they're they're painted as well so you know gotta buy a ticket if you want to win the raffle but there are some incredible prizes available and there's lots of tickets left so if this podcast does go out before friday 7 30 p.m 22nd of april it do make do. sure you head to raffle.com or you can come to my profile on instagram war hipster you can click on the little link in the profile and you can see the little link to the raffle there but we're doing a lot of stuff trying to make these tutorials really really good uh trying to make it so that you guys get the best tools you can for painting your miniatures at home and also just you know so that i can entertain you guys because i am a dancing monkey and i love it <laughs> um, and I just want everybody to have the best time with Warhammer. So, uh, in order to do that, I need some new need some new tech. Um, and you know, it's a team effort. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I need your help um, if you wish to give it. If not, do just like, just you know, drop in, like a video, subscribe to the channel. That would be awesome because you know, all help is very much welcome. And yeah, that's that's it. That's what I'm doing at the moment. Brilliant. Thank you. So, yeah, just make sure to tune in to uh, Warhipstar on Friday and um, support him with his uh, stream. And Adam, where can people find you, YB? Yeah, so I am at ADR Wargaming on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, everything, everywhere else. ADR Wargaming, all one word. You can find me on there. Um, so, yeah, come and Josh and I do a stream regularly on a Sunday on YouTube. Come and check it out. Um, Sunday show, normally about 8.30pm. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I'll just be posting random stuff on my Instagram uh, and on YouTube as we go forward. And, obviously, getting more Conclave episodes. Where can we find you, Reza? Uh, yeah, on Instagram, um, at Reza Prime. And on Instagram, come make sure you follow the, the Conclave40k on, on Instagram. But you can find me on josh's youtube channel every now and again when we do determine name what it's or we're just anywhere anywhere else so yeah or when we play total war together which is what yeah we're when we can play soon. total war stream together and awesome. i just draw awesome. pictures stupidly on the screen on stop um yeah. <laughs> but no thank you everybody for listening sorry for the um the i don't know gap but i hope you enjoy it and we'll see you soon Bye bye
Bye. Bye.